Welcome, everybody, to Fergo and the Freak. I'm your host, the Glorious League Freak. This is episode 88. We've got a very, very special co-host today. It's our number one fan, Nadine. Hello, Nadine. Hi, how are you? What you been up to lately? Desperately waiting for more podcasts. I'm very excited about uh, what we're doing today. Um, yeah. And, yeah, it, it's been a while. There's been a bit of withdrawal. I've, I've have to admit I've cheated on you guys with many other podcasts How over the you. last week. <laughs> That's disgusting and hot at the same time. Got to got to keep up the rugby league. So you you pressured me to have you replace Andrew. Uh what's it like to replace Andrew completely? <laughs> um <laughs> we shall see at the end of the episode, hey? Yeah, yeah, don't worry. When I start asking you about all the, like, the history and the statistical questions, you'll soon want rid of it, so... Yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how we go. Anyway, overnight, we saw uh, Sydney Rooster star James Tedesco won his first ever Dalian Player of the Year award. Um, I didn't watch the ceremony, but I heard that it was riveting stuff. You actually watched it. Uh, tell us about the highlights. Um, the end credits. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that it actually didn't go very long. No, it was it was extremely brief. Um, yeah. like an hour just over, if that, yeah. maybe an hour and a half. Um, it felt like the red carpet portion where they were crossing to the red carpet through NRL three hundred and sixty was longer than the event ceremony per se. Oh, really? um, it was just a bit of a yawn fest. Yeah. It was dry. It lacked any kind of character. The musical act that opened was, in my opinion, appalling. Oh, um, really? And I think the biggest blight was NRL and Fox were tweeting the winners of the awards before it had gone to air. So the telecast, despite being... Um, promoted as live and exclusive um, was not actually being shown live. Um, ah. So, you know, lots of social media was, you know, highlighting all the winners yeah. um, probably a good 15 to 20 minutes before they were being announced on the telecast. That's kind of weird. I wonder if they, I mean, obviously they have the information beforehand, but I wonder if they have some sort of delay on the telecast for some reason. I mean, it seems a bit weird that they would, but, um, yeah, it's, that's a bit disappointing if that was going on. I saw some people saying that the uh, NRL uh, Twitter account was tweeting things out before it had happened. And, I mean, I wasn't paying that much attention to it, to be honest. But, yeah, I guess it was disappointing for people that kind of wanted to talk about it and it's like, oh, who's getting close towards the end? And all of a sudden they... They say congratulations, James, on winning your first Dally M award. Yeah, it was really strange. And the other thing I found really strange was um, a couple of awards were given out on the red carpet. Oh, really? What ones? Yes. So um, Mike Acevo received, uh, obviously, his top try scorer award on the red carpet, as did Payne Haas, the Rookie of the Year award. So it was one of those... You know, NRL 360 crosses to Hannah Hollis on the red carpet, yeah. who's presenting, you know, 
Payne Haas with his award and Peter Beattie kind of just wanders in, gives him the trophy and then wanders away. It was no very, way. yeah, really poor, actually. Yeah. I'd feel uh, I'd feel like they didn't want me there if they did that. It's like they give you your award outside. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense to me, hey? Oh, are you there? Yep. Oh, could you hear me? No. <laughs> oh, sorry. We've just had a little totally break. Totally dropped out. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. I was just saying, I'd feel really weird if they did that uh, to me as a player. I'd feel like they don't want me to enter the building. Yes. And even then, the count itself was just stifling. It sucked all the energy out of the room. Really? Wow. Yes. Yeah. I stopped watching it a few years ago because... I don't know, it just seemed like it was something I was not enjoying and I was forcing myself to do. And it's not that I I don't have any interest in the Dalian winner. I just question, like, I mean, it's supposed to be for the most consistent performer over the course of the season. But when you think that, like, Darren Lockyer never won it, it makes you wonder, like, how good it is at actually picking out the most consistent players. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah, agreed. And certainly some conversations I've been having... Uh, over on social media through the course of last night and today, there's been a lot of discussion around well, what are the criteria that they're judging yeah. against? Because, yeah. you know, when you look at the fact that Mike Acevo wasn't even in the mix to be winger of the year, that mm-hmm. to me is astounding. Um, and again, you know, you look at who has won some of those positional awards this year and, you know, I think the general population would have some issues with quite a number of those awards. Um, well, let's yeah, go so through. It's really them. interesting. Let's go through them because we'll we'll yeah. pick the eyes out of these things. It'll be good fun. <laughs> so uh, we'll start from the top because uh, we're having a look at this article. So the uh, WNRL Dalian Medal was given to Jess Sergis yeah. uh, from the Dragons. Now I kind of find it weird that the women get the Dalian medal. Like there should be, surely there's a, a female player from the past that could be, the award could be struck in her honour. But anyway, she won the Dalian medal. Yeah, well, and that person, that, in my opinion, that you're talking to would be Tasha Gale. And that's obviously who the Tasha Gale Cup is named after. Um, she actually presented the award last night. Okay. Um, so that was, you know, that was a nice tie-in. Um, but, yeah, it is a little strange that you still have the Dally M medal for a female player. So I understand where you're coming from. But really well-deserved by Jess. She's been outstanding this season. Um, mm-hmm. The game on the weekend that, she, you know, she played was phenomenal. Um, and, you know, she could you could tell in the speech that she did last night, albeit very brief, um, is clearly not done yet and really wants that premiership this week. So um, for her sake, fingers crossed, but she's she's amazing, gives a lot of herself to, you know, the fans who come along to NRLW games, um, mm-hmm. and she's certainly one of my daughter's favourites. Oh, that's nice. That's very mm. sweet. Um, <laughs> the Proven Summons medal went to, and this is for sportsmanship, mm. uh, went to Josh Jackson, for consoling uh, West Tigers goal kicker Paul Morrow, Mor- I always get his name wrong. Momorowski. Rowski, yes. <laughs> uh, he consoled him 
after he basically ruined the West Tigers season and saw them miss the finals by missing a couple of easy kicks and missing one that went into golden time. So that was very nice of him, I thought. Yes, yes, agreed. Um, uh, James Tedesco took out the uh, Peter Fralingos Headline Moment Award, which is probably the dumbest award on the night, if you ask me, uh, for his last-ditch try to seal victory for New South Wales in the mm. state of Decider. That was a pretty cool moment. It was. Uh, Rookie of the Year, Payne Haas. There was a little bit of, you know, it's hard to argue with Haas. There was a, a number of really good... Um, rookies this year. Sevo was one of them. Uh, mm. Bronson Sherry, I thought, was yep. probably right up there. But it's hard to argue with Haas, really, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that, you know, I don't think there'd be anybody arguing with that particular selection in terms of the calibre of the field that were finalists. Mm-hmm. I think everyone was happy with both that and were ha- would, would have been happy to see any of those particular contenders take it out so um he was yeah really really quite humble when he took his award which was lovely oh that's nice yeah he's had a wow i mean i can't remember a young forward doing as much already in their their whole career as he's or not their whole career but at this point in their career as he's done already it's quite kind Mm. of uh incredible um craig bellamy won coach of the year this one Upset a few people. I can kind yep. of see why he won Coach of the Year. I mean, the were minor premiers running away and stuff, but I can't get over the fact that he made some coaching mistakes towards the end of the year as well. Um, what did you think? Yeah. Who did, did you like that he won this, or should it have gone to someone else? Personally, I think it should have gone to someone else, and this is one of those awards, um, and the one following is another one where I think, what is the criteria? Because clearly, the you know some of the other awards are all you know potentially based on points, or yeah. you know it, it could be very um, very easily identifiable how that decision's been made. I think the coach and then the, the captain of the year, which we'll obviously get to, are the two that I look at the most and think, how did you get to that result? Yeah. Um, because you know you guys have covered it previously, and it's obviously been in and out of social media for the better part of the last couple of weeks about who could or couldn't we, or, you know, sorry, who could win this award based on any number of reasons. So, okay. Yes. Bellamy minor premiership, um, you know, street streaks ahead of everybody else in terms of what the form looked like over the 25 rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously quite a young squad, which I was in that boat of people who really didn't give enough credit to, I think, what he'd done with a squad that is so young. Um, I think yeah. it's just one of those things that year on year you expect the storm to be there and thereabouts. Um, you know, so I do take that into consideration. However, Brad Arthur took Parramatta from, you know, Wooden Spoon to, you know, the second last week of finals. So, mm-hmm. you know, how, what's that? weighing up against, you know, but what Bellamy's done. Des Hasler, I mean, obviously everyone's spoken about Hasler and what he's done with that squad, even Michael Maguire, um, Ricky Stewart. So, you know, again, there could have been any number of winners. Um, I think, look, I can understand why Bellamy got the award. I just think the murkiness around how he got there um, is where people get a bit funny. And let's not forget he was – basically just taking off Beetlejuice last night with that ridiculous <laughs> outfit and the award should have been stripped just for that purpose. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of like it. I like when oh, everyone's no. turning up in the black suits and he's like, nah, I'm Craig Bellamy. Uh, first of all, Craig Bellamy's, in, in his happiest moments of his life, Craig Bellamy's pissed off. And so <laughs> I, I just like that he's like, yeah, I'm wearing a Beetlejuice suit. Uh, I thought it was great. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I look, I, I was surprised by that. I thought that John Morris did a really good job as a coach. Um, I th- obviously Des Hasler. I couldn't go past though the man that turned an entire club around, and that was Trent Barrett. I think that oh. he didn't get enough credit for what he did at the Sea Eagles. Really tremendous job. Um, and so, just if you're out there, Trent Barrett, and you're listening, keep it up, son. You are so good at what you do. Absolutely. Um, so, captain of the year, Cameron Smith. Now. I'm a big Cameron Smith fan. I think that he's he's the be- probably the best captain in the NRL. Who would you have picked as captain of the year? Because you sounded like you were not real happy about this one. Oh, I think it was. It just felt like a cop out more than anything else. And again, yeah. um, I suppose having had more time to sit on it, you know, because last night I was like, oh, that's just typical. They're just giving it to you know to Smith again. Um, interestingly, he wasn't at the ceremony, um, yep. due to illness. So yeah. he wasn't, wasn't in the room, didn't accept the award himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know who else you could have given it to, to be fair. I mean, you could have given it to, you know, Croker or Hodgson potentially. Um, everybody else is, you know, there and thereabouts is there's nobody that's standing out. So again, it's, what is the criteria? around how do you choose the captain of the year? Is it based off who the coach of the year is? Is it based off the side that finishes, you know, top of the leader, you know, top of the premiership after you yeah. know, 25 rounds? Is it, what, what are those criteria? But look, he's super influential. He clearly has a significant impact on those around him, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, you know, and that, that needs to be applauded. Yeah, and I, like I mean, I kind of think when it comes to captain of the year, I I don't just look at, and I think this is what an easy trap to fall into. Who was the top team? And I think they've done that with Bellamy, no doubt. And Cameron Smith, he's he's pretty comfortable. He's an easy choice. I look at someone like DCE, who just mm-hmm. uh, was a great leader for that Sea Eagles team all year. Um, really took them on his shoulders and and took them to an. I think it was DCE's best season ever. Quite mm. honest. Um, as in terms of other captains, I mean, no one really stands out for me. But it, it, I think I probably would have gone with DCE for captain of the year. Mm, yeah. Uh, so let's go through the the positional ones. Uh, fullback of the year, James Tedesco, obviously being the Dalian Player of the Year. Um, we didn't really talk about that. Do you think he should have been Dalian Player of the Year? Oh, absolutely. I'm actually surprised he didn't win by more. It was a little bit closer than I think a lot of people were expecting. Yeah. Um, so in the end, I think it was four points, either three or four points between he and Cameron Smith. Um, yeah. So it, it was. It really did come down to the last round um, yes, to a see, degree. I... So if if Cam Smith had polled, I think three points in the last round, he may have. It may have either been a joint award or he may have pipped. Tedesco from memory. So, um, yeah, it, most most people had Tedesco absolutely streaking away with it, but 
um, clearly quite close. I was surprised with how high Mitchell Moses ended up polling. Um, yeah, I saw. I think it was really the, surprised. Tedeschi, yeah, is that his name? Anyway, he's a long-time follower of mine. And uh, he was saying how in the last round, like Moses played pretty poorly and he still got some points, which Mm, was, mm. you know, the way the media was carrying on about Moses all year is a bit weird. But, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm not surprised he was up there at the end. You know, in terms of fullbacks, right, I think that um, Roger Chulvasashek at the mm-hmm. Warriors, I feel as though even in games that the Warriors lost, and they lost most of their games, he was always one of the top two players on the field. It didn't matter, you know, who they were playing. So I thought he would have been in with the shot in terms of not only being the player of the year, but the fullback of the year. Um you know, Jason Talmalolo is another player that I, mm-hmm. I kind of thought would be right up there. I would have had Munster as well, but I think mm-hmm. towards the last few rounds, he sort of went off the boil a little bit, unfortunately. And he's got a, obviously with uh, the state of origin kicking in the stuff, he loses points for that. And I was a little bit surprised that it was Tedesco, but it's once again, I mean, he had such a great season. It's hard to argue with him. Yeah, so I've just brought up the points. So Tedesco finished with 34 points. Yeah. Uh, Cameron Smith, 31. Mm-hmm. Moses, 29. Payne Haas, 27. And Cameron Munster, 22. Wow, I'm surprised Haas was that high. Yeah. That's very um, strange. So, I mean, two of us, Ashek and Tal Malolo, were certainly in that top 10. Yeah. Um, as was Damien Cook, I think, from memory. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like when you look at that, I mean, Mitchell Moses, is that a, a case of one person just standing up in a team of unremarkable players? Shit house players, you were going to say. <laughs> I heard you. Um, <laughs> I, I'm surprised Gutherson wasn't up there too, ridiculously. <laughs> well, uh, look, we, we overlooked the fact that he should have been captain of the year. Oh, yeah, 100%. um yeah it's 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 a little bit strange i think sometimes the media just focuses on a player so much and it's kind of like um what's his name the halfback at newcastle like mitchell pierce Mm. it's like no when they went on that win streak oh mitchell pierce he's he's killing it he's the best player stuff and it's like no i'm watching the games and ponga is playing out of his skin um and so I think that the media kind of gravitates towards certain players. I don't understand why, but they, mm-hmm. they do it. I, it's kind of weird to me. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, when voting went behind closed doors, Pierce was in front. Mm. Um, yeah, so he was in front with 15 votes. Yeah. Let me just double check. Yes, that's correct. Munster, 14. Cook, 14. Taumalolo, 12. Smith, 12, Tedesco, 12. So that shows how much of a back half of the season um, all of those guys had. And Mitchell Moses was on 11. So they clearly had an amazing post-origin campaign. Um, The other thing to factor in there is obviously, um, as in previous, you know, once upon a time you could poll votes in state of origin games. That doesn't happen Mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. So there were games that obviously Tedesco missed out on. Yeah. That the likes of, for example, the next two closest, Smith and Moses, would have played. So 
you know, if he plays like for like same amount of games, where does that end up? But yeah, it just it shows that those that had the killer, I suppose, front half of the season fell away a little bit in the back half. Yeah, that's true. It's good that. Mm. Uh, can you imagine if Mitchell Pierce had won it? Oh my God, I would have gone into. I thought you were going to say Mitchell Moses. I think that's the same. Ah, uh, Mitchell the same Moses. reaction. Well, how weird is it that Mitchell Moses played that according to the Dally M uh, voters, he basically played the same second half of the season as Tedesco. Like that's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Correct. It's 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 stupid. But anyway, okay. Uh, the winger of the year was Ken Mamalo from mm. the New Zealand Warriors. Now he had a good season for the New Zealand Warriors, and to be honest with you, when it comes to the Warriors. I think anybody that's not RTS should just hang their heads in shame. Um, mm-hmm. But for it to not be Siva is just, uh, it's just silly. I don't get yes. it. Yes. I don't get that. Agreed. Um, Centre of the year, Latrell Mitchell, he had a bit of an up and down season, but I can see where he won that. You know, mm. I, I, I'm i trying to think of another centre that stands out for me in terms of who has, you know, contributed to wins more than, than Mitchell and, uh, I can't really think of anyone else, to be honest with you, or about you. No, and I think this uh, – I don't think he is a consistent performer. No. He really does go up and down and, and rides that roller coaster. Mm-hmm. But when it counts, he's usually there, and he's usually the one making the big play all by himself sometimes, you know, depending yeah. on what's happening in and around that Roosters team. It's, you know, give me the ball, I'll just do it. Um, so I didn't have any issues with uh, Mitchell being named centre of the year. Yeah, and I guess with I mean, with how young he is, you're going to get that inconsistency still a little bit. Um, but at the same time, you can say I mean he was the best player on the field in, geez, three, four, five of their games where he's just unstoppable. So um, yeah, I, I couldn't argue with that one. Uh, Cameron Munster, 5-8th of the year. I thought this was a good one. Yep, uh, Jack Whiten, no issues. Yeah, Jack Whiten would have gone pretty close. I think Kiri was was just too injured, unfortunately. But, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it was great, especially early in the year. And uh, it's just towards the end he fell away. Um, halfback of the year, Mitchell Moses. I mean, please. What are mm. they thinking? It's just ridiculous. That's got to be DCE, right? <sighs> It, it boggles me. And this is where, again, I, I'm drawn to are these off the back purely of what their points are. So Mitchell Moses was the highest Dalian point scorer yeah. of all halfbacks. Therefore, he wins halfback of the year. Mm. Um, I'm assuming that's how it goes. I could be totally wrong. but I think that's um, how it goes. Which to me is insanity. And um, my 11-year-old can't figure out how the New South Wales halfback or the Queensland halfback yeah. isn't the overall player of the year. So yeah. even she's, she's struggling to understand as well. Um, yeah, look, again, good player in a somewhat unremarkable team. Yeah, let's just move on. Yeah, it's a good <laughs> idea. Uh Payne Haas, he got prop of the year. Yeah, you know, absolutely. He, he did play pretty well. I think uh, Papali would Papali's have... probably the slighted one there. I think that um, he's had an outstanding season. He's really yeah. led from the front. 
uh, similar to what I was saying about Latrell Mitchell with, you know, when a game's on the line, he wants the ball and he just does something with it. And that's been evident, particularly, you know, two finals games um, mm. through this series where he single-handedly charged over the line to give them the wins. Um but just consistently performs week in, week out. And he, he is just an asset to not just the Raiders, but the, the entire game itself. So um understand, obviously, why they've given it to Payne Haas. Uh, but, yeah, yep. do you feel for Papali in that instance? Yeah, so do I. I think he's been hard done by there. Um, hooker of the year, Cameron Smith, you know, probably between him and Damian Cook. I, I kind of can't argue with that one myself mm-hmm. uh, got any thoughts on that one no look uh, Cameron Smith is I think just a staple he's got that unlock as long yeah. as he is playing the game uh second row of the year John Bateman what a load of shit this one is <laughs> I knew you wouldn't like this one ah <laughs> uh, just ridiculous like I don't know who the hell's watching these games but they're giving the wrong points to the wrong people. It should not have been Bateman. Um, so who do you think it should have been then? Anyone. Have had there? Anyone. Yeah. <laughs> I would have had, let me think. I would have had, uh, ooh, let me think. I would have had, I mean, i tell you, I'll put it this way, right? If we're going second rollers, if you consider Sam Burgess as a second roller, I would have had him ahead of Bateman. Mm-hmm. And his season was up and down, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I don't rate Bateman. I just think he's, I don't get it. I don't know why everyone loves him so much. Um, and then for lock of the year, this one's ridiculous. This one's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Cameron Murray. Now he's a great player, right? He's a really, really good player, but this should be called the Jason Talmalolo award. Like, how can you give it to Cameron Murray? This is just mm. dumb. So it's really interesting because I don't have as big an aversion to Bateman winning second roller of the year as what you do. Um, That could be because this week I am riding the lime green bandwagon pretty hard, given that um, I have a Raiders supporter in the household. Um, However, I agree with the Cameron Murray situation Mm. and agree that Tamalolo should absolutely have a lock on any award that he wants um, in the Dally M's. Mm-hmm. And I also think that um, Tavoyevich was probably a little bit unlucky as well. So, yeah. you know, there could be an argument that, um, you know, Tamalolo and Trevojevich in either, you know, either way, however yeah. you want to award them, are probably really unlucky that they weren't in the mix for these particular yeah. awards. And that's taken nothing away from Murray. Murray's been great. Like he's, no, he's, he's had been, a breakout season. Yeah, I think he's probably been their best player at South Sydney. But, I mean, geez, he's... I mean, Tamalolo, Tamalolo's an all-time great. It shouldn't even be a... I, I just think that that should be his award this year. I can't believe that it wasn't. Um Interchange Player of the Year, Brandon Smith. I think that was a good one. He's been he's been a monster off the yeah, bench. Yeah, I it's agree. Crazy. You um, really can see that he is. They've really groomed him well. Um, yeah. In Melbourne, in terms of succession planning for when Cameron Smith decides that he wants to retire. Um, yeah, he he's been outstanding, and, and I think anybody that has 
a nickname of an animal, you've got to love it. What's his nickname? Wombat. I've never heard him called Wombat. Who's calling him Wombat? Yeah. All the time. What coverage are you listening to? Ah, I try not to listen to it. (laughs) This is the problem, right? No, no, no. They call him Wombat um, because he gets in from Dummy Half and Burrows. Okay. really close to the line. I would have called him like uh, the Trans-Tasmanian Devil. The (laughs) Trans-Tasmanian. That's a good one. (laughs) (laughs) He just reminds me. He's just a bundle of energy. He's great. He's one of my favourite players. So, yeah, so that's the Dalian medal for 2019. You know, a bit of a meh event, I feel like. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, and uh, different venue this year too. They had it at the Horden Pavilion. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just it totally missed the mark. Totally, totally missed the mark. And I feel like just the general interest, even on Twitter, when it was on, I was watching that, and it wasn't like everyone was locked into it. It sort of just was something that was going on, and um, I don't know whether that's because people. I mean, I feel as though normal fans they feel as though there's a disconnect because this is a an award that's basically handed over by the media over the course of the season and and i think most of us feel as though the media is so disconnected by what's going on in the game it's kind of ridiculous Mm, agreed yeah it does seem like it's a little out of touch and perhaps to regenerate uh Mm. interest in it you know perhaps they need to look at some more pop, you know, some popularity-based awards yeah. um, that the fans vote on. Um, I mean, obviously, things like the Ken Stevens Medal is usually uh, fan-based, mm-hmm. um, uh, and there's a couple of others as well. But you know, that could be something that they look at in terms. What of... What was the one that uh, Hindmarsh won about fifty-seven years in a row? Oh, that so, was that one. Stevens? Yeah. Yeah, it's basically the community involvement award, essentially. Okay. So it's things that the players do outside in the community. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's the feel-good one. But, yeah. you know, otherwise I just think these awards are just, you know, going to die a slow, painful death. Yeah, so do I. It's, um, I also, the other thing I saw was that people blowing up because Phil Rothfield was – presenting an award or something. I couldn't believe it when I saw that on Twitter and people were like, Phil Rothfield's up there. It's like, why? So he presented the Peter Fralingos headline moment award. They need to scrap Um, that award so quickly. It's so stupid. Yeah. I Look, I understand the premise, but um, is it necessary? What value does it add? I don't think it adds any value. Um, You know, I did notice that there were referees there last night. Oh, that's Not good. Not publicly acknowledged, though. Oh, really? That's so I, I only know that because I've seen you know, various you know, pictures and tweets on, on social media from the referees that were there. Um, yeah. yeah, so I think that's really interesting. So it's good that they're there, obviously yeah. included. Um, however, you know, not acknowledging them in any way, shape, or form, to a degree, as a you know, other than just I suppose throwaway line from Greenberg through his thank you speech, yeah. um, uh, is it a bit of an oversight? That's kind of disappointing. That is, um, you know, I I wouldn't have any problems if the main award was handed to the 
to the Dalian Player of the Year by the referees, to be honest with you, because um, we they need to be embraced more. They need to, instead of being seen as a, almost, it's like people look at them in a bubble when they're, mm. they're such an integral part of the game. And um, I think we need to see them sort of embraced a lot more because they're great people, you know. It's not like they're, they're complete arseholes. I mean, the coaches are arseholes, but the referees are, they're great. So No, yeah. that's exactly right. Um, for those that haven't listened to Ref's Roundup um, on the NRL podcast, there's a, obviously one that Casey Badger and Gavin Badger do. This mm-hmm. week's episode is uh, basically a you know interview, for want of mm-hmm. a better word, with mm-hmm. all the officials for this week's grand final, and just oh, wow. talking about um, you know what their feelings are about it, and what have they done through the course of the season to get there, and um, you know a couple, a couple of the I think the touch each of the touches perhaps, but it's certainly yeah. at least one of them. Um, was dropped this year for an error that they made in first grade. So they had to yeah. go back to either Interest or Canterbury Cup. Yeah. Um, but listening to their take on what they learned from that and how they came back from that, just in regards to resilience and all that kind of thing, I think is really interesting. And I know I've said um, previously that since I've started listening to that podcast, I view what they do on a field very, very differently. Yeah. Um, in terms of, you know, of that's what they're doing now. Oh, yep, that's what they're going to do. I could see how they made that decision based on X, Y, Z. So it just helps give another lens that you aren't being fed by the media. Um, exactly. I mean, yeah, there was so- a decision in last weekend's games. And look, I can't remember what game it was in, but there was a call where they say the referees didn't see a knock-on or something, or they called a knock-on because the ball become loose. And you kind of wondered what it was about. But then you realised the main referee, he had a play between him and the play. And mm. I, like, if you start looking at it from their point of view, you can see situations where like they, it's, they, they're just doing their best and nothing in this game is perfect. Not even, and I always say this, not even the height of the grass is perfect in rugby league. So, uh, like you've got to, you've got to overcome all the conditions. You've got to come overcome the stadium, the travel, you've got to be healthy on the day and you've just got to be all everything. And that's not even including the opposition team. So I think that the focus on referees in terms of the overall results is I find it gross and I find it a bit pathetic how many times we see people, you know, or teams, they lose a game and then they're whinging about the referee. It's like, grow mm-hmm. up. Yep. I wholeheartedly agree. Now, speaking of grow up, uh, <laughs> story this week, Grand final week, the fairy tale for Canberra. Uh, they've had like thousands of people watching them train. They've had massive queues to get tickets, everything in. Like they they must be running out of like green bloody ink and stuff down in Canberra. Everything's just <laughs> green. It's terrible. Um, and in this amazing week, John Bateman has decided to try and ruin their whole grand final lead in by saying that he wants a contract upgrade or he might leave. And mm. so there was a story on NRL.com. They had it as an exclusive by Michael Shamus. And I tend to not read all the other stuff. I tend to just read player quotes because that's all that really matters because you can frame something, but if you just read the player quotes, 
then you're getting what the player has said, right? So I'm just going to read the player quotes in this because mm-hmm. that's the important thing. First player quote in this from John himself. I've got a new agent over here. I'm with Isaac Moses. It's like, oh, there's a, the alarm bells are ringing. There's a red flag, yep. Yep. He says, I don't know where Canberra are, are at with their salary cap. While I'm over here, mate, I have to do what's best for me and best for my family. Moving forward, I'll just have to weigh up my options and see what's there. But Canberra is the most important thing to me this week. And once this gets out of the way, we'll sit down with Canberra and my agent will do what he will have to do. He will do his job. Going forward, we'll just go from there. So the thing to remember about this, right, is that Bateman was contracted with Wigan and the Canberra Raiders played a £200,000 transfer Mm. fee to get him. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, he signed a three-year agreement with the Canberra Raiders. Now, he signed it with his old manager, who mm-hmm. he has since changed to Isaac Moses. Now, Isaac Moses is doing his job. i got no truck with what Isaac Moses is doing because it comes down to the player allowing him to do this, right? But Isaac Moses doesn't get a cent until Bateman signs a new contract. Correct. And this is the problem here. So you've got the Canberra Raiders who pay this massive transfer fee and they sign up Bateman and Bateman commits to them for three years. And with all of that commitment, that's a great sign for Bateman. The club is like, okay, we're we're really committing to you above and beyond most other players at this club. And then Bateman leading into the grand final tosses up. Oh yeah, I think I, I want more money or I'm out of here after the grand final. I think that this is, an act of bastardry. I think it is the grossest thing I've seen a player in individual do leading into a grand final. I think it is the sort of thing that Canberra fans should be extremely angry about. I think it's selfish. I think it's disgusting. And to do it now of all times, I think Bateman should be ashamed of himself. What do you think? It's, it's disappointing. Mm-hmm. On many, many levels. And it, it, for everything that you've said, you know, in grand final week, we should be talking about, you know, things like what we saw yesterday with, you know, thousands of people lining the streets to see the Raiders, you know, come up to Sydney, the, you know, seeing the horn being transported, mm-hmm. um, you know, all of that kind of stuff, all the fanfare, what's going on in Martin Place with the fan fest. That's what we should be talking about. Instead, mm-hmm. What we're talking about are contract items, whether it be Bateman, whether it be Smith, um, because that was obviously floating around earlier in the week. It's kind of fizzled out a little bit at the moment, but um, it irritates me that the media is actually choosing this tack. So, and the reason I say that is because I doubt um, highly that John Bateman of his own volition stood up and said, by the way, this is what's happening, and so on and so forth. Someone has clearly asked him the question. So why ask the question during grand final week? And this is where you have said many times before that, in your opinion, Todd Greenberg lacks the intestinal fortitude to lead anything. Um, Why is he not coming out and saying to these media outlets, and you think this is his own media outlet when you think about it, just stop. What are you peanuts doing? 
you know, we want to promote the game in the spirit. I don't want, in grand final week, we should not be having articles written about this. We should not be having you actively trying to dig up dirt about X, Y, Z. Grand final week should be about the fans. It should be about the two teams on the park, what they're going to do, how they're going to get over the top of each other, what are the tactics that they're going to employ. I don't care about the grand final entertainment. I don't want to hear the whinging about the kickoff time. It is what it is. Let's just celebrate the game for what it is. Instead, we get this rubbish. Year in, yeah. year out. Yeah, and it's it's kind of like clockwork too. It's uh, and, and you know they whinge about, and I'm talking about the media. And look, I don't consider anybody that works for the NRL.com to be a journalist. Uh, they're just comms people. So they like I don't consider you know Shamus to be a journalist in this instance. And if he wants to be a journalist, you know. You can't be any, you can't work for the NRL and write about rugby league and then say, "Oh, I'm a journalist." It just doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, I, I think Bateman has quartered this. Uh, I think any any play with half a brain in their head and with any integrity would just say, "I'm not talking about this," you know, mm-hmm. and and just shut it straight down. Um, and for for Bateman to do this, I was just completely disgusted. As for the media in the grand final week, I mean, you're right. They talk about the the ticket prices and then they talk about the kickoff time. They talk about who their grand final entertainment is going to be. And it's like, can any of you pricks actually talk about what's going to happen in the game? Like, mm-hmm. they just can't because they're not good at their job. Um, no. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty funny. You get all of the different, like... You know, they they write about there was a, a one of the sob story ones for I think it was Zane Tedavano. Yeah. Saying he did some yesterday. cool thing. Yeah, it's like, oh please, another redemption story. Um but yeah, I I I thought that that was disgraceful by Bateman and man, I, I bet it pissed Ricky Stewart off. Yeah, look, no doubt because he he would be wanting to do everything he can to actually solidify that group. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually reading a breaking story on NRL.com at the moment oh. saying that Bateman is actually bedridden with a virus that has kept him from joining the team's training session today. Ah. So the rest of the team trained at Leichhardt Oval um, yeah. this morning, but he wasn't there. Um Hodgson had previously missed training due to a stomach bug. Um, so that's, you know, incorrect reporting earlier in the week that he had some flu or whatever. So that's really mm-hmm. interesting. Um, yeah. Leilua is fine. He's, he'll be there. Um, and then it turns, you know, then it goes on to talk about all the stuff we already know about, you know, Jake Friend, Mitchell Orbison, Luke Keary, et cetera, et cetera. So, um yeah, See, I expect, so I think Keery will play. I mean, the the boot he was oh, in was a proper he boot, you know. Uh, he'll have been in more oxygen tents this week than Michael Jackson used to sleep in. Um, <laughs> so he'll be fine. Um, you know, they'll bring Worry Hargraves in. Uh, that's that's probably a lock for that, for the mm-hmm. Roosters. Um, I don't think they'll bring Jake Friend in at all. I think that's it's a silly thing to do at this point of the season. Um, but yeah, yeah you can't see you can't see them doing that. And whilst you know, it's obviously 
they're keeping him in the squad and, and naming him on extended benches and the like. I don't see somebody with the nous of Trent Robinson actively upsetting the apple cart no. just for the sake of putting friend back in. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, let's have a let's have a quick look at the game, hey? Yeah, let's do that. So seven thirty p.m. Sunday, second versus third at mm-hmm. ANZ Stadium. Who do you think is going to win and why? So. I, I'm genuinely conflicted on this for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. In re, in their recent games, both you know they've both had fairly tight contests. Yeah. Um, defensively, both both teams have drawn upon that to get them over the line, so to speak. Um, yeah. My concern is the Raiders have the ability to give away stupid penalties. Yeah. Um, and professional fouls leading to sin bins, which we've yep. obviously seen a number of this year. Um, so that concerns me for them. Um, you know, when you look across the park in terms of, you know, head-to-head contests, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, look, Teddy, Teddy's Teddy, but, you know, Nickel Klockstad's no slouch. But so he that, has shaved his hair. Like yeah, Samson. it feels like his superpowers have gone a little exactly. bit. Exactly. cut his hair, right? And he yeah, cut him. Yeah. He cut his hair again. Like he cut it shorter. And yeah. if I mean, when I, he walked in that first day and he cut his hair, I'd have pulled him aside if I was in the Raiders and I said, "Listen, you need to get whatever that shit is that they they flog on TV. You know, do you want to put fucking caffeine in your hair? You got to go and do it, son." And I would have told him, "You don't shave your head again for the rest of the year." And I was mm. sent him home. I would have said, "Go home and grow some hair." <laughs> So that's, yeah, so they, they're both, you know, broken line plays, obviously, where they come to the fore. Um, I think defensively, they're both very similar as well. So, you know, that could be interesting. Um, I think differences in how they play will come from the ball that they're being fed um, and, and where on the field they are in terms of attacking options. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Kotrick and Croker against Manu and Morris. I mean, goodness me, move on. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Leilua, Rapana against Tupo and Mitchell. I think that that would be the side I'd be aiming at if I was the Roosters. I think whilst Tupo's great under a high ball, I wouldn't be putting high balls up to Tupo. I think that Mitchell's got enough errors in him um, that, you know, Leilua and Rapana could really target that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's See, obviously I think... Kiri's side of the field as well. And if Kiri's... Whilst he'll be needled to the hilt and he'll be totally fine, yeah. You know, if you're aiming traffic at Kiri's side of the field, and obviously Cordner's there as well, which helps stiffen it up. I, I still think that there's enough strike power between Rapana, Leilua, and even White, and if he's coming in and around, yeah, that that's the side of the field that you you aim at rather than you know Manu because Manu defensively is solid. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And uh, like we saw last week, there were a few times where the storm went at Kiri and mm. uh, and they found some, you know, they found some uh, space at him and, and found some cracks in their line. I think the thing about Kiri is that, like, obviously his, his ankle isn't 100%. And, you know, the, the thing that the uh, Raiders have, they've got those big dudes that they can mm-hmm. send at you. Uh, I think Jack Whiten's going to have a bit of a field day um, against Kiri. I also think Joseph Manu. 
I think he's going to tear Crocker to shreds. And I've, oh, I've, I've been saying it all year. I've been saying, I'm waiting for this to happen, wait, and it hasn't happened yet. I just can't imagine that the Roosters are not going to do it. And I thought that the Storm would do it, but they didn't. But, yeah, I think Manu, I mean, you know, Crocker's going to be turned around looking back at what Manu's doing half the game, I reckon. Um, yeah. I think that that's uh, pretty pretty much set. Forward packs, I mean, you know, I, I I think they're pretty much as good as each other, to be honest with you. I think that Papali's obviously the best of the forwards. Um, mm-hmm. They're lucky they've got Jared Worry Hargreaves back. Um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, and I'd probably give the bench to... You'd say that the, the Roosters have the better bench, a much deeper bench. Yeah, you know. Agreed. And, and particularly seeing what Takiaho did last week in terms of really stepping up into that enforcer-style role that Hargreaves usually has. Yeah. Um, you know, he wasn't afraid to take on the line, and clearly we obviously saw that in the first hit-up. Yeah. You know, really made his intentions known um, early on. Um, so I think Canberra has a more mobile pack, and that certainly worked in their favour the whole season. So... Um, whilst I think the Roosters' rotation is better, yeah, I, they don't necessarily have the mobility that yeah. the Canberra pack has across all of their forwards, not just either their starting or their bench. So um, it, it's going to be a really interesting matchup. I I think the Roosters will get it done though. I think their class will just their class will be too good. I think based on the Manu Croker matchup um, yeah. and just Kronk in, in general. And, you know, people have been saying a lot, oh, you know, Kronk went missing in whatever game and, oh, Kronk didn't do this. I think they're really underselling what he does on the field that isn't overt um, and how he controls the game. We obviously saw that in last year's grand final where, mm. he, you know, he played with one arm and, you know, still manned up and got them over the line. Mm. Um, and whilst that was all Kiri in terms of the actual doing, his presence on the field, his calmness, his experience um, can't be undersold. And I think, you know, Kronk against Caesar is the weakest link up for um, the Raiders of, of all of those, sorry, matchups across the board. 100%. So, I mean, I called Caesar earlier this year in reserve grade in Canterbury Cup. Mm. And I, I like, you know, I, I, I find it hard to see Aiden Caesar as a premiership winning halfback. I mean, we've had some, some not great halfbacks that have won premierships, but, mm. but he's also one of those players that if he's off, he can be really off. Mm. Um, and I think between, I mean, he's a, a weakness in their side. Between that, Manu, as you said, against Crocker, I think that's a horror show. I also think uh, Josh Hodson, I think he can be a weak link as well. I think mm. he's overrated by a lot of people. Um, and he, But he has mistakes in his game. And yep. I think that, that, you know, you just they're not going to be able to afford to have those mistakes. He needs to have a really, really good game. And he can't be injured. Like how many times is it? You can't have a hooker that that is always carrying something or getting hurt yeah. or getting up slow and um yeah. So I, they're they're the three weaknesses in the Raiders team that really really worry me. Um and yeah, I, as for the Roosters, man, I, like I think Tupo they'll probably will go to him at some point, 
But Rapana's such a, a level head um, up against Tupa. I mean, that they're going to cancel each other out a little bit. Mm. Um, but, yeah, as for – there's some players that they've added on their extended bench. I don't think Friend's going to play. They've got Ryan Hall on the extended bench. He will not play um, nice. if they want to win the game anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. And, um, I mean, whilst we're – you know, we don't ref bash, yeah. are you happy with the officials that have been allocated – yeah, yeah, I mean, there, was, there were people saying, oh, you know, the referee's boss has named his brother and all that. I was fine with it. I was fine with mm. all of them. You know, I think that the referees in the final series, I think they've been exemplary. You know, they've made some really, really tough calls. They've made a lot of correct decisions. And I think that a lot of the it, – it's cool that in the last few weeks, a lot of the discussion about referees has been about how they've been right and how the commentators have been so utterly wrong or some of the things they've said are so utterly stupid. You know, mm. I mean, the other the other week when uh, Andrew Johns was saying, like, I don't care if we slow it down and there's a knock-on that we see, we should just call play on. It's like, can somebody get this idiot out of the box, please? Yeah. Uh, it's just ridiculous. Um, yeah, 100%, 100% agree. I think what... What I have taken out of particularly what's happened in the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. obviously as we've had less and less football to watch, mm-hmm. um, is is there a changing of the guard, I suppose, with regards to some of these new refs? I shouldn't say new, and I shouldn't even say less experienced because some of them have done quite a lot of games. But mm. in terms of the more senior referees, so Ashley Klein, for example, I mean, mm-hmm. I know he had a little bit of a howler in, I think, the first week of the finals mm-hmm. um, and, and was subsequently then not appointed for future mm-hmm. finals games, obviously not appointed for this. Are we seeing a little bit of a changing of the guard? You know, Grant Atkins was able to get right through until last week's matches. Um, you know, we've obviously got Cummins and, and Sutton, who I think are, you know, they're fine appointments. It is what it yeah. is. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think it's interesting. To me, it looks like there is that bit of a, a changing of the guard coming through, which is good to see. It really is, yeah. And as you say, like, a lot of these guys have reffed a lot of games. And Mm. I think what we're starting to see now is they're really starting to build their depth where, I mean, they they can name a lot of refs, a lot of touches, and they're all very good. They're all capable of of handling the top games that are, are there to be handled. So that's a good sign for the referee ranks. Um, we're also seeing Casey Badger doing the uh, women's grand final, which will be really cool. Um, yeah, absolutely. So that was awesome to see. We love Casey Badger on this podcast. We do. Um, and grand, grand final for the women's game is uh, the Broncos versus the Dragons. Mm. Come on, Dragons. Dragons have to bring yep, it back absolutely. to back to New absolutely. South Absolutely. I mean, look, I love Ali Brigginshaw. She's amazing. She's been a real stalwart for women's rugby league for quite some time. Um, but, you know, Keziaps um, and Jess Sergis, you know, they're, they're my girls. So mm. really got a lot of time for both of those. So that'll be really good. Um, and obviously then we've got the State Cup final between the Burley Bears and the Jets. So yeah. that'll be I actually amazing. went to the uh, Canterbury Cup game. I called the... Called the Jersey Flag Grand Final last Sunday, which was very cool. It was a very, very good game. And then mm-hmm. the Canterbury Cup game uh, between Wentworthville and the Jets, that was another outstanding game. It was uh, 
made all the commentators pretty worn out by the end of it. So that, <laughs> it was cool. It, it was uh, amazing. I was watching that on TV mm. and, you know, edge of the seat stuff. So I'd watch the women's game on TV, yep. flip straight over to Channel 9 to watch the Canterbury Cup coverage. Yep. And it was amazing. Loved it. Yeah. I thought it was absolutely outstanding. And from what I could see, it looked like there was so many Jet supporters there. There was. It, it's interesting. I went to, a, I think it was the week before. Well, they went to, no, it was, was it the week before? Anyway, I went to Cogra and uh, the, the, we were at, and I'm pretty sure it was Newtown versus the Dragons. And it seemed like there were more Newtown fans there than Dragons fans, um, which was interesting. But it's really cool. And I would say this to everyone, and, and we talked a little bit about it on the radio uh, last weekend. You know, you hear a lot of people saying you should go to Canterbury Cup games, you'd really enjoy it and stuff, and you think, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. Having gone to a lot of them this year, it's it's really cool. It's like watching pure rugby league. You haven't got all of the, the sound and all of the bullshit and the media surrounding it. You're just out there watching a game of footy. And I was lucky enough that um, during the Canterbury Cup Grand Final last week, I managed to finally see Bankwest Stadium as a, a spectator mm. because I did the like pre-game, half-time and post-game for that for the Grand Final. And so I got to sit, and I was sitting in good seats, to be fair. But it was really cool just to sit there and watch. And I tell you what, Bankwest Stadium, you are so close to the action. Like, there was a player was spraying that sticky shit on his hands like you and, and like you he was a second roller and he's spraying that on his hands on the field and you can hear the spray of yeah, coming that's out amazing and yeah it's like i mean uh you know somebody i was there with another commentator who was like man it's like playing on the wing and it really is it's you are that close to the action so um yeah anybody that's interested in I would say to everyone, if you're a rugby league fan, get out to a Canterbury Cup game and just check it out and you will fall in love with it. I know I have, and I never used to really care about the lower grades at all. So, mm. um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see Newtown against the Queensland Cup team. I tend to normally think the Queensland Cup teams are a little bit better because the the way that they run things is a little bit different to the New South Wales Cup sides. But I think that the New South Wales Cup teams have been building in strength the last few years. So um, let's hope Newtown wins. I'm not supposed to be biased, but, you know, who's going to stop me? It's my podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Who do you hope wins? Let's take ownership. Um, Oh, look, you know, I'm a Sydney girl, so it's definitely got to to be Newtown for me. Um, So that's fine. Um, I think what what is really interesting is obviously – Burley Bears mm-hmm. being the feeder club mm-hmm. for Gold Coast. Mm. And yet Gold Coast is crap. So yeah. what's happening here? Look, it, 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 it beggars is... belief that you yeah. have a team that has won the, you know, the whole Queensland Cup competition and mm. yet none of that is transferring into – the, the first grade team or into the Gold Coast team. I suppose the positive way to look at that is that none of the crap out of the Gold Coast team appears to be poisoning the chalice of the Burley Bears. So yeah. that's <laughs> that's really interesting. So, you know, I saw that somebody had brought that up on Twitter. I can't take credit for that. Um, but it certainly promoted a lot of conversation around what, what is that disconnect that 
is happening because there clearly is one. Yeah, I know that the Queensland Cup teams, a, a lot of them are very independent. Um, and and mm. whereas I feel as though in the New South Wales Cup, we're, we're starting to see a lot of New South Wales-based teams wanting to control their own New South Wales Cup team. So you get a team like Newtown's a little bit independent, um, but you get, you know, you get teams like the Dragons, they want to control everything. Uh, who's another, like, I'm trying to think of another team, like um, South Sydney is another one where they've mm-hmm. had other teams take over their feeder as their feeder team, but now they're trying to get it all under their own control and stuff. And I think mm. that it it probably does help in some ways to have that disconnect where you send a players just to a, a completely another club and, and, and that sort of thing. But I feel as though overall it does help to have everything under the one umbrella a little bit mm. more. Um, and I think Bur- Burley obviously has is, is managed to, as you say, not get, that Gold Coast Titan stank on it, which is always a good thing. And the other yeah, thing absolutely. I like about the Bears is that, I mean, we had a really good story about the Bears earlier this year with when they played Great Britain. So, yes, you know, 24 I, degrees. Yeah. <laughs> it was 23 degrees, 23.6 or 7. I can't remember. Sorry, rounded up. <laughs> Bloody palms. Yeah. Um, Anyway, yeah, well, so was... look, it'll be it'll be a good day on on Sunday. Yeah. So I've already got my tickets. I'm one yeah. of those people that we buy tickets as soon as they go on sale, being um, uh, NRL club members. So how much were as soon as they're available? Well, we fought in the family zone. Um, yeah. So that's at the northern end of ANZ Stadium on the upper tier. Yeah. Um, and we really like sitting there. We think that sitting there, you get the really good aspect of what's happening in terms of play across the field. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can see all those backline movements happening um, mm. well before anybody else. So we really like that end of the field. So we've been sitting there the last four or five years oh, um, right. for f- four tickets um, under $300. All up? All up. That's pretty good. Yeah. And we will go for the whole day. So you know, where those people that get there for the gates open will watch all three games. Um, I think I heard somewhere that this year the NRL is actually doing, and I need to research this, um, doing similar thing to what the AFL does, which is allowing pass outs from the stadium so mm. that you can watch the game and then go back outside the stadium and enjoy what they've set up outside in the precinct. Oh, cool. yeah. um, because ordinarily you know, you get there and you think, oh, well, that's all really good, but I, I don't want to miss the don't want to miss the game. So then you go yeah. in and you're trapped, um, you know, until ten o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. So if that's true, that is amazing. Well done, NRL, if that is actually what is happening, because I will certainly be looking to do that um, and, and getting out and enjoying what's happening in the precinct as well as catching all of those games. Yeah. Well, you know what? I've heard a lot of people complaining about um, the ticket prices, and I always think, like, it's the grand final. It's literally mm. called the grand final. What do you expect? Yeah. You know, and a lot of it's supply and demand as well. But if you can take a family four, find a 400 bucks, that's yeah. pretty good value, I reckon. Yeah, and look, not everybody likes to sit where we sit, um, yep. and that's fine. But if you want to sit and get a different view or you don't want to be – on level six or whatever, then you need to expect to pay a premium price for it. So, you know, you can't have your cake and eat it too. It is what it is and you need to compromise somewhere. 
to be able to either go and enjoy the experience or you don't. Yeah. It's, it's one or the other. So, but yeah, under $300, four tickets, you know, and we'll have the, the best day ever as we usually do. Now, it would be remiss of me to say this, right? You're, you're a mum, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, you're not one of the mums with kids because we know no. that they hate rugby league, apparently. Yes. <laughs> but as, as a, as a mum, do you make sure that you do the thing where you starve your family so that before you go to the game, you starve them to death and then you get in there and you say, how am I supposed to feed my family on chips and, so you know, drinks and hot dogs and stuff when they cost too much? Or do you, like, do you stock up on food? What Like, what do you do? Yeah, so we uh, we stock up and we take as much as we can. Yeah. Um, and, and some of that is because... I just disagree with price gouging generally yeah. in life, yeah. um, not yeah. just at football games. Yeah. So, um, and that's what's happening in there. They're price gouging. You're a captive audience. You have to pay what you have to pay. So, um, but also the offerings in there are pretty crap to be they fair. They are, aren't they? So, you know, there's only, you know, so many lukewarm four and 20 pies you can eat <laughs> in a 10 hour period. Um, so, <laughs> So we we take a whole heap of stuff in and at least then, you know, and then it might be, okay, we'll go buy some chips or we'll do this. Obviously, the husband wants to buy beer. He goes off and buys his beer and, and whatnot. Um, but we do that most places we go. Cause is is hubby agree. allowed to get tanked? Like, does he ever get I mean, He can do what he like. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's and to be fair, thing. given his team is in, in the big dance, there we go. Yeah. We got through the whole podcast and I have said it. Um, wow. He um he will likely be enjoying more beverages than usual. Nice. Excellent. I tell yeah. you what, I had a chicken burger at uh Paramount Stadium on the weekend. I really enjoyed it. It was like it had some fancy name. The name was way fancier than the burger ended up being, but it was <laughs> like it was a nice burger. I think it was called something like a it was like some sort of um spicy chicken burger or something it wasn't spicy but it was like some it had some asian style name but it was it was just a chicken burger but it was nice i enjoyed it and it was better than just getting chips like i feel as though at most stadiums you look at what's on offer and it's like oh man i gotta get chips again because of all this you know chips Uh, pies sausage rolls yeah and that's it i don't eat pies at football hey no it's it's just not my thing no, it's it's a bit hard. I mean, at least you go to other places around the traps. And, I, I mean, Ainsley hasn't really cottoned on to this, which is a bit sad. But, you know, there's different food offerings. Yeah. You know, so one place would be purely seafood, for example. So, you know, lots of fish and chips and that kind of thing. Another place might be a bit Mexican. Another yeah. place might be, you know, X, Y, Z, you know, whatever it is. So um, ANZ's not quite there with at the moment with that. And I hope that when they do the redevelopment of that stadium, they look at that holistically and yeah. um, from a, you know, a fan and a customer experience perspective. Um, the other thing they need to do is put more ATMs in that place. Because oh, really? if the, the ATM is the second longest line behind bathrooms. Oh, really? <laughs> yep. See, so, I, I, I tap and go everything. I, I didn't ever handle Oh, cash. yeah, look, I'm the, I'm the same, but um, it, it is always amusing to see that. But, yeah, um, yeah it, no doubt we'll hear heaps of people sitting around us complaining about the cost of something. Yeah. Well, when you do, you, know? you just, like, 
just tell you just say to hubby like because he'll be shit faced before the game starts you just say <laughs> oh you hear what they say about your team and just get him fired up about it <laughs> you know, it won't great. take much to fire him up i tell you <laughs> Oh, geez. All right. So, well, thank you so much for coming on the episode. Um, it's My so pleasure. great to have you replace Andrew permanently, um, you know, and uh, you now run Rugby League Project. Uh, do you want to talk about Excellent. your Patreon uh, Rugby League yeah, Pro- RL Project? RL Project. Get on yeah. there and subscribe. Yep. I think Andrew only needs about 3,500 more people to subscribe just, you know, a buck. Yeah. To be able to do it full time. Yeah. I can't carry him the way that I am. So no. <laughs> that'd be nice. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Um, yeah. So, yeah, go and check that out. Go to uh, rugbyleagueproject.org for all of your statistics. Uh, pick up The Story of Rugby League. It's a book by Andrew Ferguson. Mm-hmm. Um, go to leaguefreak.com. I'm going to be putting up an article today on the 15 sexiest rugby league players of all time by Emma. So that's oh, going to... Okay, I'll, I'll read that with Bates's breath. Yeah, she actually even sent pictures to go along with it. And oh, I had excellent. a look at the pictures. I had a look at the pictures, dead set. 75% of them, it's plays with their shirts off. Some of them, I was like, if it hadn't been my website and I can do whatever I want on my website, I'd be like, I don't know that I can put this up. I'll get in trouble. But I can't get it. <laughs> oh, um, excellent! Can't wait to see that. <laughs> yeah. So and so, uh, yeah. Emma objectified the players really, really well. So that will go up later on today. Um, and yeah, the the plan is at the moment uh, is that uh, me and Andrew are going to put out an episode on Saturday evening. That'll be up Saturday night, Sunday. So that'll be our kind of, uh, I guess, the official grand final preview. And, yeah, after that, it's back to business as usual. We'll be putting out a podcast every 35 minutes or so. So Excellent. Be, Can't wait. Yeah, yeah. It'll be good to get back into it. Yes. Now, I just got to say one thing. You've been too good on this episode, okay? You've mm-hmm. uh, you've basically shown that uh, you're too good of a replacement. We can never have you back on again, okay? <laughs> I'm we sorry. Can't, we can't have the standards lifted that high. All right. It's just, it's not what we're here for. We're trying to find the low point that we can just survive on. All right. Right. Got it. Noted. So, just for future reference. <laughs> Excellent. Got to find if, the line. Got it. Yeah. Have you got anything you want to plug? Do you want to tell people about like uh, your, where they can find you on Twitter or so, I don't know your Twitter, home address, I've your got, private yeah, number? Sure, no, yeah, no worries. So a uh, very boring Twitter handle at Nadine Shilvis. Um, usually all things rugby league ramblings, although the last couple of days I put some food stuff and stuff about tending to the garden out the front, which yep. has been well received. So just, oh, nice. you know, re- re- ramblings. Um, yeah. Obviously, we need to make sure that we're plugging the starting block, drop the K yep. at the end. Definitely. Um, boogie Bumper. Uh, yeah, they, the Daily Boogie. They have been hilarious. Uh, their episode last night was outstanding um, uh, if you, you haven't listened to it go back and check it out yeah i've got to listen to it hey i missed it last yes. night because i was a little bit busy but yeah i'm gonna listen yes. to well, that I've definitely got to get on it last night because they seriously breached the three percent sport content that, oh. they, that they plug between greenos raiders making 
the grand final this week and obviously yeah. then doing the autopsy on the Giants from the week before where Boogie went down to the AFL grand final. Yeah. Um, I think it was about 25 minutes worth of sport content. So yeah. outstanding. Um, obviously, let's get the usuals in. Arabella, yep. Richard Cranium. Yep. Samuel, 13. Yep. Um, yes. Lara listens. Lara listens in. Yeah, James Smith. Yeah, James Smith. We'll get him on soon. Uh, Beck. Beck listens in. Um, Katie. Katie. Yeah, we're going to get Katie on soon. Um, I'm just having a look on. I'm going to go across to the podcasting uh, thing. Who else? BE. BE's been reaching out a little bit lately. Yeah, we're going to get. We've got to get all of these people on. You know what you got to do, all right? You got a strong arm, Arabella. You got to say, "Listen, Arabella, enough of the bullshit." You got to go on the podcast. You got to f- fucking do it for the shoes, do it for the handbags. Because <laughs> I, I see he's talking about that. What is it? Is it Jimmy Chews that he's talking about? Oh, and Louboutins. Yeah, that's yes, it. We do. <laughs> so yeah, you got to. So you got to. Like they say, peer pressure doesn't work. That's bullshit. Peer pressure is a wonderful thing. So you've got to use some of that peer pressure and get her on. (laughs) Arabella, come on, let's do this. Yeah, that's what she said. Um, (laughs) Okay, so, yeah, I think that that's pretty much is that. Um, Thank you for listening. Thank you so much, Nadine, for coming on. It's been fantastic having another chat with you. And we will talk to everyone as soon as I find out where to stop recording. We'll talk to everyone very soon and we'll hear from Nadine very soon. And until then, goodbye, world.